This dynamic message is brought to you by Redemption in Jesus with Marco Bravo. All right, so this morning I'd like to share with you a message titled Embracing God's Law for the Reason God Gave His Law. Or you could say, <clears throat> Embracing God's Law for the reasons God gave His law. Ultimately, it's all one reason. And so, yes, it has many facets to it, but you'll see that. And I'm going to give you several of those reasons within that reason, but it's all one reason, ultimately. And so that's why we've titled that. Now, you know, that one of the reasons why I want to share this with you today is because from time to time, <clears throat> people hear me say, you know, we love the law, we embrace the law, for the reasons God gave the law, and then we move on. And oftentimes, you know, folks have said to me in the past here and there, what do you mean? What are those reasons? Explain them to us. And even though we touch on them in different messages, I thought, you know, let me share a message <clears throat> where specifically we address that, we focus on that, and so that folks and you, you know, when people ask you and uh, you need to have an answer, you can explain to them and say, well, this is the reason why I embrace the law. This is the reason why we, as New Covenant believers, embrace God's law. And I'm sure you agree. That's important. It's good for us to know that. Now, the reason why God gave the law to those of the Old Covenant, because that's who He gave it to. And so the reason why He gave it to them is not the same reason why we, as New Covenant believers, should embrace God's law. They needed to embrace the law because they chose it. God gave them the option. Some people think that God imposed it on them and this was it. You are going to have it now. But when they were in Mount Sinai, they were under a grace covenant through their father, their ancestral father, Abraham. And so when they were there, you know, they wanted this and they wanted that. And Moses went up the mountain. God gave him the law because they were dissatisfied with God. They were complaining. God gave him the law. Moses went down and he said, here is God's law. Told them about it. And they said, tell God, we will do it. We will live by it. Yes, we accept it. They could have said, no, we are going to continue in the grace covenant. It was really a grant covenant that we have with Abraham. And so let us, they could have done that. But instead, they chose to relate to God by law. And the moment that happened, everything changed for them. All of a sudden, there were curses, there were consequences, there were bad things that began to happen. They began to experience the consequence of their disobedience, their choices. Why? Because they chose to relate to God by law. What is the law? The Ten Commandments are the basis of the law. That's the foundation of the law. There's another 603 commandments that come on top of it. And if we read the first five books of the Bible, you will see that it all comes into place. So that's how they chose to relate to God. Now, God gave them the law because they chose and they wanted that. That's what they chose. And so he gave it to them. And that's now how they had to embrace the law and relate to God that way. Now, fast forward to the cross. Jesus dies for us and as us and redeems us. And a new covenant is instituted. And when Jesus said, it is finished the new covenant began. And so at that point, 
the, the old way of relating to God came to an end and a new way of relating to God was introduced. It is called grace. But now, you know, some people think that just because you embrace grace, you need to ignore the law of God. You need to put it aside and not relate to it. And that's not true. We need to embrace the law, but for different reasons to those of the old covenant. We need to embrace the law for the reasons God gave, God see, God gave it then, but it still has a role in our lives, but it is different to those of the old covenant. And so that's why we've titled our message, Embracing God's Law for the Reason God Gave His Law. And so that's what we want to cover today. And there's no better portion, that, well, I guess there is, but to me this is probably one of the key portions that actually addresses the issue in a few verses quite adequately and explains it to us and gives us a clear understanding. And so we're going to read it and then we're going to break it down I'm going to, we're going to take a look at it in more detail and I'm going to give you the specific aspects which are the reasons why we embrace God's law as New Covenant believers. So, let's begin by reading Romans chapter 3 and we're going to read verses 19 to 20. Okay, and we're reading this from the Amplified Translation. It says, Now we know that whatever the law of Moses, it was also called the law of Moses because Moses is the one that brought it down to the people, and, but it's the law of God. <clears throat> but it's, another, it's known as the law of Moses too. It says, Now we know that whatever the law of Moses says, <clears throat> it speaks to those who are under the law, so that the excuses of every mouth may be silenced from protesting, and that all the world may be held accountable to God and subject to His judgment. For no person will be justified free, uh, in other words, freed of guilt and declared righteous in his sight by trying to do the works of the law. For through the law, we become conscious of sin and the recognition of sin directs us toward repentance, but provides no remedy for sin. Now, there we see a brief explanation of the reason why God gave the law to those of the Old Covenant. Not those of the Old Testament, the entire Old Testament. Those of the Old Covenant. Okay, And so we see that reason, but also within that, you'll see in a moment, He also gives us the reason why we as New Covenant believers ought to embrace the law and how we need to relate to the law of God and how, if it does, have a relationship or affect our relationship with God as well. And so, let's take a closer look at some of these aspects here so that I can show you that. We're going to begin by looking at Romans chapter 3 and the, uh, verse 19, the first part of that verse. Now, pay attention to the, bold, the text that I have emboldened, because that's what we're going to focus on. Okay, so we're looking at the first part here because I want to show you some things here that will help us understand. That's answering our question, you know, embracing the law for the reasons God gave the law. It says, Now we know that whatever the law of Moses, watch what it says next, says, it speaks to those who are under the law. So right there you see that apparently God's law actually says something to those who are under the law specifically, but it also speaks 
to those who are under the law. Interesting, isn't it? You know, when you read the scripture and you read the Bible, it's saying something to you. It speaks to you, doesn't it? And that's exactly what this is saying. So God's law speaks something. It says something, but specifically to those who are under the law. That's what we see here. Now, you have to remember, Paul here is the one who is writing inspired by the Holy Spirit. And he is writing to the believers at Rome, the, the Roman church. And most of the Roman church were not Jews. They were not Jews who received salvation in Jesus who used to be under the law. Yes, there were some, but the majority were Gentiles. They were not people who were under the law. They were people who had received salvation. They were pagan, basically. They were unsaved. They had received salvation in Jesus. But yet, he writes this, and what we've just read, he writes all of that to them. So you have to ask yourself the question, did Paul underestimate how many uh, Messianic Jews were in that church? Or did he have the right people in mind? Well, he had the right people in mind. Because not only did they need to know as we need to know, but also he's actually bringing this truth about the reasons why they ought to embrace God's law, which is different to those of the old covenant. That's really what he's showing here. And so let's uh, then, you know, based on what we've read there, it says that the law speaks. It says something to those under the law. Well, then the first question we need to answer is, who is under the law? Who is under the law? And Romans chapter 2, verses 12 to 15, we're going to read it from the Passion Translation. That portion in the same letter gives us the answer as far as who is actually under the law. Watch this. When people who have never been exposed to the laws of Moses commit sin, they will still perish for what they do. Ha! Huh. See, now he has starting to, we're starting to see the reason why he's writing this to them. And those who are under the law of Moses and fail to obey it are condemned by the law. For it's not merely knowing the law that makes you right with God, but doing all the law that the law says that will cause God to pronounce you innocent. For example, whenever people who don't possess the law as their birthright, that's talking about Gentiles now, commit sin, it still confirms that a law is present in their conscience. Look at that. For when they instinctively do what the law requires, that becomes a law to govern them. Hmm. Even though they don't have the Mosaic law. It demonstrates that the requirements of the law are woven into their hearts. They know what is right and wrong, for their conscience validates this law in their heart. Their thoughts correct them in one instance and condemn them commend them in another. All right. So now you can see that portion has a lot <laughs> of things to say, but the answer is found right there. And, you know, I don't want to rabbit trail on all the wonderful specific truths that are in there, but we're answering the question, who is under the law? And right here in chapter 2, in the portion we just read, he just showed us that in essence, everyone is under the law. 
ultimately everyone is under the law. He said those who are Gentiles, those who are not of Jewish descent, those who didn't relate to God by law specifically, they still have the law within them. In the sense that when they know what is right from wrong, that is having the law in you. Interesting. And he says, and those who do have the law of Moses, well, they know what to do. And then he says, you know, at the end of the day, if you don't live by it 100%, you're not living by it at all. And we saw last week in James, he said, if you break one, you're guilty of breaking the whole lot. And so it's a high, perfect standard and, and imperfect people, because we're all descendants of fallen Adam naturally, we can never live up to God's law. But the important thing here is, is that we're asking who is under the law. Well, apparently, ultimately, everyone is under the law by default. Whether they know and they have the writing or whether they have their conscience. In other words, whether they have the law externally in writing or whether they have the law internally within them, which is the knowing of right and wrong, or you could say the knowledge of good and evil. <laughs> Therefore, we all have the law. We all can live by the law to, a, to certain degrees. And so this is why he says right there that ultimately everyone is under the law by default. You see, when your conscience bothers you about something, tells you it's wrong, that's the law at work in you. You may not have been raised under the law, you know, as a Jewish person, as a descendant, direct descendant of Abraham, even though in Jesus we're all descendants of Abraham, you still have it in your conscience. How do you instinctively know these things? It's not God that plays that nature within us. It was the fall that plays that nature within us. Because remember, the tree in the middle of the garden was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You see, that's the law. And God said to Adam, don't eat it. Adam went and ate it. And God said to him, the moment you eat of it, you will die. It didn't mean physically. It'll mean he'll be alienated from God. Why? Because now he will have the knowledge of good and evil. He will have the knowledge in his conscience of right and wrong. And therefore now begins to live by the law and relate to God or try to relate to God by the law. And this is what Paul was clarifying in the portions we've just read so far. This is that, yeah, there are some who have it in writing and they've had the formal thing that happened at Sinai. But in truth, every person is under the law because those who were not part of that experience have it in their conscience, in their heart. This is how you and I are able to determine right from wrong. Were it not for the law internally, now you may not have all 613 commandments, but do something that violates God's law and your conscience will tell you, your heart will tell you. Why? Because the law in essence is the knowledge of good and evil, which from the time Adam fell, every single one of his descendants would have that nature in them because he could not produce. An imperfect being could no longer produce or reproduce perfect beings. This is why we've all inherited that from him. And that's why Paul says, yeah, in that portion we've just read, everyone is under the law. Jew and Gentile. In essence, that's what he's saying in that portion. Jew and Gentile, they're all under the law. Yes, you may have it in writing, but they have it internally. And so do you, really. And so ultimately, you're all under the law. And so to live under the law 
then, as we've seen, is to know what is right and wrong. Or, as I said, is to have the knowledge of good and evil. And we all have it. Every single one of us. Let's just have a look at some scripture to back up that point real quick. Genesis chapter 2, verse 16 and 17. Remember this. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may freely eat unconditionally, eat the freely, unconditionally eat the fruit from every tree of the garden, but only from the tree, watches, of the knowledge, recognition of good and evil, you shall not eat. Otherwise, on that on the day that you eat from it, you shall most certainly die because of your disobedience. So God told him right there, don't eat from that tree. Because when you eat from that tree, you will have that ability. In other words, you'll have the law now internally, and that will cause you, it'll damage our relationship. Because now you are going to realize what is wrong, what is right, and you are going to feel guilt, shame, and condemnation for the wrong, which is going to separate us. That's basically the death that God's talking about. Death, scripturally speaking, unless it specifically specifies physical death, death in general means alienation, separation from God. And that's what he was talking about here. So the fact that Adam and Eve could now tell the difference between right and wrong, now they had the knowledge of good and evil, meaning that they now had the law internally, therefore they were now under the law, and now they were trying to relate to God by law. And this is why when God came, they hid themselves and they said, you know, we were hiding from you because we realized that we were naked, but also we would just felt, they felt guilt, shame, and condemnation. So the law was at work. And then they had children, and their children had children, and so forth. And here we are. And naturally speaking, we all inherited that from them. So everyone is under the law. And then in Genesis chapter 3, verse 22, watch what happens there. And the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Watch this knowing how to distinguish between good and evil. And now he might stretch out his hand and take from the tree of life as well and eat its fruit and live in this fallen sinful condition forever. My word, praise God that he didn't let Adam and Eve, he didn't let them have access to the tree of life. Because if they did, now they would go and eat from it and perpetually, eternally live in that fallen state. In other words, they will forever relate to God by law. Praise God that He chased them out of the garden, put an angel to protect it, and never gave them access to that tree. We'll have access to it in heaven, but He didn't give them access to it anymore. And He did us a favor by doing that. Amen. Otherwise, we'd be in trouble. But here you see, in essence, and this backs it all up, that this is why, ultimately, everyone is under the law. We all live under God's law. As natural descendants of fallen Adam, by default, we are, we are all born with the knowledge of good and evil, with the law internally. Right? You hear what I'm saying? So we all begin life under the law. Something else I want to show you in Romans 3 verse 19, in that first portion. So we've established who is under the law, and now we realize that ultimately everyone is under the law. <laughs> whether they realize it or not, whether they admit it or not, whether they see their conscience, 
everyone knows what is wrong and what is right. Otherwise, they are not descendants of fallen Adam, natural descendants of fallen Adam. They come from somewhere else if they tell you otherwise. <laughs> so they are aliens. Well, we are aliens because we're not from this earth as believers. But anyway, something else I want to show you in Romans 3.19. Watch this. Remember, we saw this earlier. It says, now we know that whatever the law of Moses says, it speaks to those who are under the law. So, the next question then we need to ask is, what does the law say? Obviously, it says something now to all of us, it's because we're all under law. I've just shown you that. So, what does the law say to us? Says to us, well, in essence, and this again could be another message, another <laughs> series, but I'm going to cover it as quick as possible because this is leading us to the reasons why we should embrace God's law, right, as New Covenant believers. So what does the law say to us? Well, I'm going to show you that ultimately there are three things that God's law says to us who are under the law. So, you know, when we relate to God that way, this is what the law expects from us. And this is what it says. This is what it communicates to us. First of all, in Leviticus chapter 9 and verse 2, this is God speaking when he gave the law. He's explaining as far as how to relate to him by law. He says, Speak to all the congregation of the children of Israel and say to them, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. And you'll see that in context here, God was talking about the law. And he was telling them, This is the expectation of me as far as you relating to me by law. And he says, You need to be holy. So the first thing that the law says to those under the law is, Be holy. In other words, be without blemish, be without sin. Who can do that? Who can be that? None of us. The second thing, in and of ourselves that is, the second thing that the law says to us, Jesus explained it to us in Matthew chapter 5, verse 48. Now this is Jesus talking about the law, and he's talking to those under the law. Oftentimes, believers think, just because it's in Matthew, and in my Bible, that's where the divide is. This is where God says, this is the New Testament. The new, they think that it's the New Covenant. It's not. It really is not. The New Covenant began when Jesus said it is finished. Not at Matthew 1.1. Because most of Jesus' ministry, He ministered to those under the law. And so, if you read the context of this, you'll see that He was talking about the law of God. And here he gives us the next expectation, the next thing that the law of God says to those under the law. And watch what it says here, Matthew 5, 48. Therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Jesus was not speaking to new covenant believers there. He hadn't yet gone to the cross. There was no redemption in Jesus yet. He was speaking to those under the law. And they, he was talking to them about the law. And he says, by the way, this is what the law says to those under the law. You need to be perfect. And who of us can and is? Not a single one of us, right? And so what we see from this so far is, is that the first thing is, is that it says you need to be holy. That's what the law says to us. The second thing the law says to us is you need to be perfect. So now let's take a look at the third thing that the law says. And again, in this, in Jesus here again is speaking to those under the law. And watch what he says about what the law says to those under the law. 
Matthew chapter 22, verse 36 to 40. Someone came to him and said, Teacher, which is the great commandment? What does it say next? In the law, right? So this is to do with the law. So Jesus' answer is going to be about the law, right? Not new covenant law. Not, it, it's the, the law of God. Then Jesus said to him, he's answering his question. You shall love the Lord, the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment of the law. Remember, that's what he's answering. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Watch what he says next. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. In other words, the entire old covenant. That's what he's saying. And so here we see that the next thing that the law says to us is, or to those under the law, which is all of us, he says, you need to be loving. Love the Lord, love your neighbor. In other words, be loving. So to answer the question, what does the law say to those under the law? It says this, be holy, be perfect, be loving. And this isn't try your hardest and get as do it as best as you can. This is do it. Be that completely. Who can be completely holy in and of themselves as fallen descendants of Adam? Sinful beings. No one. Who can be perfect? No one. Because we're not. We, from birth, we're not perfect. And who can be absolutely, totally loving toward God and toward others? Not a single one of us. And that's what the law says. So you can see that Paul was really, in essence, in Romans, was bringing across to us. First of all, everyone is under the law. Whether you have it in writing externally or you have it internally, you're all under the law. It happened at the fall. And then, secondly, the law says this to you. If you want to relate to God by law, then you need to be absolutely holy, absolutely perfect, and absolutely loving. There is no compromise. There is no good enough or in between or as best as you can. It is either all or nothing because that's how the old covenant law works. And so there he shows us that no natural descendant of fallen Adam is able to live up to the demands of the law. So that answers that next question. Now, let, I want to show you something else in verse 19 as we continue. Watch what it says there. Look at specifically the emboldened portions. Now we know that whatever the law of Moses says, it speaks to those under the law. So I've already clarified that. Watch this now. So that the excuses of every mouth may be silenced from protesting, and that all the world may be held accountable to God and subject to His judgment. Wow. Now that we understand what I've just explained and what we've seen in Scripture, so we see from here basically whether the law speaks to someone externally or internally, in other words, whether it's in writing or in their heart, it stops them from trying to justify themselves. It stops them from trying to defend themselves to God because we have no excuse. We cannot justify ourselves. We cannot defend ourselves. We cannot say, God, but I really tried hard. I really did as best as I could. The law is perfect and imperfect people can never live up to it. Therefore, the Lord just shuts us up. I mean, 
I remember one time, <laughs> it was embarrassing, but I remember I uh, ended up in, in a discussion with a group of people who had a specific interest. Uh, I'm trying to remember what it was. I think it had something to do with golf. They were all a bunch of golfers. And you know, I tried it once or twice, but I really don't know much about golf. And it doesn't really quite interest me. But I remember, you know, that was the only group of men to kind of have a little bit of chit chat uh, at this function. So I kind of went in and I thought, okay, you know, we can find something to talk about. But they were all big golf enthusiasts. And they were talking about all kinds of things, you know, the little things that they use and the balls and which is a good quality and the angles and the, I, I mean, I'm, pro I'm probably wrecking the conversation, but the putts and this, I call them sticks, I know they call them something else and all that. I felt so out of place. I honestly felt like I was in the wrong place at the wrong time and I didn't know how to get out of it. And then they turned to me and asked me a question specific to one of the techniques of golf because they assumed that I know because I was smiling and you know I was faking it until I made it. I was just trying to look like I was intelligent and part of the conversation. And they asked me the question and I had no idea how to answer it. I honestly felt ashamed, embarrassed. I should have just walked away earlier or I should have just said, I don't know. But I literally just froze and I couldn't get a word out because I knew that whatever I said, it was going to embarrass me. So it just shut me up. And you know, this is in essence what God is saying here. When you understand that everyone is under the law and when you understand what the law says to those under the law, which is everyone, and it is absolute perfection, absolute holiness, absolute loving. It literally shuts us up because we have no defense, no form of justification before God. Amen. And that's what it's saying. So those who do not receive salvation in Jesus will ultimately stand before God in judgment or for judgment. And their lives will be evaluated by His law because we've just seen Everyone is under the law. No matter if it's someone who's out in the jungle, you know, often we often used to wonder that, you know, what about those people out in the jungle who cannot read or write, who've never heard the gospel? What about them? Well, they are descendants of fallen Adam. Therefore, they have the knowledge of right and wrong. They have the knowledge of good and evil within them. Therefore, they can and do relate to God by law. So, yeah, <laughs> if they go there without Jesus, really and truly, you know, rejecting salvation in Jesus, then that's what's going to happen. They're going to be evaluated by God's law. And so they will have, or they will be at least, in no position to argue their case, as it would be with us if that was the case. Isn't that so? They will not be able to excuse, to explain, or justify away their law-breaking. There is going to be nothing. We're just going to, people are just going to be shut up. That's it. Because they are going to realize just how the law is. And we know that because we have that in our hearts. So their mouth will be silenced. Look again at Romans 3 verse 19, the C part of that verse. Watch what it says. That's why it says that. And that, watch us, all the world. In other words, everyone, all of humanity, all the world, watch us, may be held accountable to God and subject to His judgment. Aren't you glad, and I've looked at all the translations here, including the original, aren't you glad it says, may be held accountable? And it doesn't say, will be held accountable. You know why it says may? 
because they can receive salvation in Jesus. That's the way we can <laughs> avoid being evaluated and judged by the law on our final, you know, when our final day is over. And it says, and that all the world may be held accountable to God and subject to his judgment. In other words, because of the law within them. And so praise God for Jesus. That's why the may makes the allowance for those of us who receive salvation in Jesus. And therefore we no longer will be evaluated by law. We will no longer be judged by law. So what, why on earth would a new covenant believer want to relate to God by law and embrace God's law as a way of relating to Him? And you know, people and preachers, and I used to do that sadly, we try and make the law manageable and we say, well, you know, you don't have to do the ritual and this and that. Just do the moral law because that is still what applies. Well, you know, we have that already in us. But then they try and say, you're still under the law. You still need to relate to God that way meaning that you can expect to be evaluated and judged that way. And it literally just wrecks our relationship with God and our Christian life, doesn't it? I mean, I know that it did that to me. And so, because we're all born under law, without redemption in Jesus, that's why it says, may be held accountable. Without redemption in Jesus, we're all guilty before God. There are no exceptions. That's clear as we've seen it so far. All right, so now that we've said all that, <laughs> let me share with you the first reason why New Covenant believers embrace God's law. So this is the reason why we, understanding all of that I've shared with you there, this, these are the reasons, I'm going, to, I'm going to give you, um, I think it's three or four, I'm going to give you reasons, which are all within the one reason, why we as, how we as New Covenant believers should embrace the law, if we do that. And it's definitely not to relate to God by as the people of the Old Covenant, okay? as those who had it in writing. So here's the first reason. Romans chapter 3 and verse 20. We saw this earlier. The second part of that verse, the B part. Watch what it says there. For through the law, we become conscious of sin. Look at that real carefully. Through the law, we become conscious of sin. Or you could put it this way. Through the knowledge of good and evil, we become conscious of our sin, of our fallenness, of our inability to live up to God's standard. The law does that. And as you've seen, the law is internally in every person. Right? And so without God's law, we would never, never know our helpless, fallen state in Adam. It is the law that helps us see that we are fallen beings. If we didn't have the knowledge of good and evil, if we didn't have the law internally, we wouldn't know and we would be eternally lost. That's why God said, don't let them eat from the tree of life anymore. Because if they do, they'll live forever that way. And I don't want that for them. That's how He loves us. So when God chased Adam and Eve out of the Garden of Eden, put an angel to protect the tree of life, He did us a favor. He did it for us because He loves us. Amen. But without the law, we would not know. And we would be eternally lost. That's in essence what we just read right there. And Romans chapter 7, the second part of verse 7, again confirms this. Let me show it to you from the Passion Translation. It says, In fact, it was the law that gave us the clear definition of sin. There it is, see? For example, he says, When the law said, Do not covet, it became the catalyst to see how wrong it was for me to crave what belongs to someone else. 
So what Paul is saying here is, is that the law helped me understand what covetousness is. In other words, wanting what someone else has. And it showed me that it's wrong. And because I know and I see it, you know, I now know, need, I, I now know that I must not engage in covetousness. That's basically what he's saying. So he verifies that point and helps us understand that truth, that the law is what makes us aware of our state, fallen state in Adam. Now, I'm not saying we still are. If you've received salvation in Jesus, you're a new creation. But we're explaining the reasons why we as new covenant believers should embrace the law, have a, the kind of relationship we should have with God's law. And so <clears throat> the first reason then is, is that God's law is what made us aware of right and wrong, of doing, of good and evil at least, or of sin. God's law makes us aware of that. It made us aware of that for those of us who receive salvation in Jesus. Past tense. Note. Okay. I mean, things such as murder, such as adultery, fornication, lying, cheating, stealing, coveting, and the list goes on. It's the law that makes us aware of that. And every person, whether they learn the Torah or not, the first five books, you know, the law of God in writing, or they just were a total heathen, didn't, didn't get into the scriptures, they still know instinctively that these things are wrong. Because like I've shown you, we're all under the law. That's how, because we all have the knowledge of good and evil, which is in essence the law. And that's how we know that. And so that's how we know and we can tell when it's right and wrong. But without it, we wouldn't know. And so that's the first thing that we need to understand as far as embracing the law of God. I'm going to put it together all in a moment, okay? Let me show you the second reason why New Covenant believers uh, embrace God's law or the kind of relationship we are to have with God's law. Romans chapter 3, verse 20, the, the C part of that verse. We saw it earlier. Watch what it says. And the recognition of sin directs us toward repentance, but provides no remedy for sin. You see, the law shows us, but it doesn't help us fix it. All it does is show us. But here it says that when we see through the law now, which helps us see what wrong is, what sin is, then it directs us to repentance also. So what this is saying to us is that <clears throat> the law, first of all, helps you see clearly what it is that is sin, sinfulness. Secondly, it shows you and it points you to repentance. In other words, now that you know and you realize and you see that it's wrong, you're conscious, the law internally shows you that, now do something about it. Stop doing it. Repent. Change your mind. Have a change of mind. That's what that means. And so what we see here is, is that God's law made us accountable to God. That's what it does. Because when we realize we now are accountable to God, we know that this is God's standard and He's holding us to account because of the law. Amen. And so God's law helped us see our need for redemption also because it said repentance. So that's what the law does. And we see this explained in Galatians chapter 3, verse 24. Again, reading from the Passion Translation. It says, The law becomes a gateway to lead us to the Messiah so that we would be saved by faith. Praise God for that. So notice, what the law does is it points us to Jesus. So when the law does its job and it shows us that's wrong, then, and it tells us, you're accountable to God, so you better repent. And then, 
it actually helps us and it says, now there's your solution, Jesus. That's your gateway. In other words, that's where you'll find forgiveness. That's where you'll find redemption. Isn't it amazing what the Lord does for us as new covenant believers? It's not something we mean to relate to God by, but you can see that we need to, when we say we embrace the law for the reasons God gave the law, these are the reasons. This is the ultimate reason. And so we see that right there, as you've seen in Galatians. Now, let me show you the third reason why new covenant believers embrace God's law. And this is the last portion we're going to read here, okay? So here's the, <laughs> the third reason uh, why the kind of relationship we should have with the law. Romans chapter 6, verse 14. Watch what it says from the Passion Translation. Remember this. Sin will not conquer you, for God already has. Talking about the cross and salvation in Jesus. Praise God for that. Amen. You are not governed by law, but governed by the reign of the grace of God. The King James says, you are not under law, but you're under grace. So this is the other thing that we see here. Is, is that the law now, with doing all that it's done so far, it helps us understand and realize that we are not under law, but we are under grace. That's clearly what the law helps us see and realize. So, God's law then helps us understand and appreciate that we are no longer subject to it, subject to the law. In other words, it doesn't mean that because you have it internally and you will always, as long as you live in this body, you will always have that ability, if you will. You will, because it's the law in you, it's the internal law. It happened at the fall. And so we always have the law that tells us what is wrong, what is right. And praise God for that, because as you can see, it's actually helping us. It's helping us realize and understand what sin is. It's helping us realize that we're accountable to God. And it, it also tells us we need to repent and change. And then it shows us it's Jesus, the Messiah. It is, and because you're no longer under law, in other words, you no longer relate to God by law, you relate to God by grace, you can actually walk free. But that doesn't mean that you should continue doing wrong. You need to listen to it inside you and then apply the finished work of the cross to your life to live with no guilt, no shame, no condemnation, but still allow Christ in you to work His change and live out His nature through you. I trust that that made sense. This is just so loaded, and I know I'm running out of time here. But praise God for that. Amen. Isn't that awesome? I don't hear an amen or anything from anyone, so I'm just going to listen to it out there. But praise God. So, let me summarize it real quick, and we'll end. So, as New Covenant believers, the reason why we embrace God's law is because, firstly, it helped us and it helps us recognize our, our true state in Adam. It helped us recognize that before salvation. You're fallen, you're sinful. Secondly, it helped us realize that we are accountable to God because of it. Thirdly, it helped us see our need for redemption in Jesus. Right? Praise God for that. And then, lastly, it helps us understand that we are no longer to relate to God by law, but by His wonderful grace. Isn't that awesome and powerful? And so this is why, as New Covenant believers, we embrace the law 
for the reasons God gave the law, for the reason He gave the law. Those are the reasons. We can see because of the law, we were fallen, we were sinful. Because of the law, we're accountable to God for the sin, for our sin, for the sinful things and for our sinful state. And then thirdly, it points us to Jesus and where redemption is found as a result of our repentance. And then it shows us and it reminds us, you are no longer under me, under law, you're under grace. Because under law, you could never enjoy relationship and redemption in Jesus. And those are the very reasons why we embrace the law. Praise God, praise God. Amen. We trust that you are blessed by this message. For more information about our ministry or to make a donation to help us continue spreading the gospel, please visit our website at redemptioninjesus.com.